somebody does om bhairavaya namaha that's a simple mantra anybody can do om bhairavaya namaha ha that's a nama mantra of bhairav baba okay you do few malas or something say and you do that consistently for 3 years your test is don't expect experiences your test is that can you do it every day for 3 years how many times up to you that you determine i'm not even telling how many times okay whether you do one mala which means that 108 times 5 minutes ka puja karo 10 minutes half an hour whatever you do but fix a thing and do it consistently in the kamakya temple uh, there is a certain uh, like a fair like a mela that happens a lot of people specifically those connected to the field of tantra sadhana oghar sadhanas and all they gather together it's like a celebration they wait for the temple to open on the fourth day certain rituals are performed and the temple is opened in this fourth day these days to the crowds have increased even more because due to the internet and all things people get to know that something like this is happening I wonder so, how ंगसेशलोर्स and all i'll say is joy ma kamakya if you're addressing a topic like devi you do it on a new day you do it fresh after yesterday's 6 hours of recording we had to come into a slow day today right how are you sir wonderful wonderful how's bombay treating you good yeah yeah lot of rains but good okay uh what did you think of the almost 3 hour shiva slash bhairav conversation we had yesterday i thought it was wonderful warm up <laughs> because i I was just thinking about it. Then there's so many other things that came. Hmm. That's how it is. Okay. See, like good art, the deities are like that. It's like the more you explore them, the more aspects will come to you. Some they will reveal, some you will know from texts. It's a beautiful journey. Hmm. That's what sadhana is. It's a beautiful journey hmm. after a point. Yeah, I'm going to repeat a question which I asked you yesterday while you and me were having dinner. Right. I asked you how you accumulated so much knowledge, like. <laughs> uh, I think there's three things that work for you. One, genuinely, you're an engineer, uh, so you think in structure, and I find talking to engineers very simple. Two, actual practice. Mm. You have seen things and experienced things that very few other human beings have seen or experienced. And the third is you have access to some very heavy amount of knowledge. And then I'd also say you can communicate it really well. But where does all this knowledge come from? Okay. So before we start a small one line invocation of the mother goddess Kamakya Varade Devi Nila Varvata Vasini Tam Devi Jagannatha Yoni Mudre Namastate This is the standard invocation of Ma Kamakya and uh, because I connect to her most among all deities so there's never a day when I don't worship her wherever i may be okay whichever part of the world 
So anything auspicious starts with her name. When you say worship, you mean you do an entire ritual or in your heart? Uh, both. Okay. See, th- this dichotomy that there has to be a separate ritual and there is something non-ritualistic. It's at the very uh, initial stages people think like this. Afterwards, there is some what is happening in the outside in the realm of the ritual and what is happening inside are absolutely coordinated. And without that specific thing, there is a this invocation that I did uh, is to be done with a specific mudra, which we call the goddesses mudra, yoni mudra, we call it. Okay. So it should happen this way that the moment you do the mudra, immediately inside you there is a change that is happening. Instantly. And that is not going to happen in one day. That is what the practice is. There is no difference. Eventually, you will understand the outside and the inside. That is the first organic realization in Tantra Sadhana, in my opinion. It's not just inside. What is outside? There will be a coordination. The moment your Shakti changes inside you, there is going to be a change outside also. That's the first fundamental principle, I believe, of any spiritual process, in fact. Not just Tantra. Be it yoga, be it anything else. Uh, Anybody who is genuine... An objective will notice this. Moment your energy shifts, everything around you will start shifting. There will be new people, there will be old people, changes, this, that. That's how it is. It's the perfect way of saying how a spiritual journey can fully switch up your material journey. Yes. Things will be removed, things will be added based on whatever is best for your own spiritual journey to take place. I know that when it comes to the Devi's presence in your spiritual journey, uh, it only enters your life after a certain point. That's what I've heard. Uh, Please, I don't know if I'm wrong in saying that, but uh, they say that Devi, Ma energy, any female divine energy is not everyone's cup of tea to handle. So, do you think that's true? Uh, No, not necessarily. So, let's understand this, that when we say Devi, um, there are various forms of the mother. So some amount of devotion to the Devi, I would say is rampant across India, everywhere, east, west, north, south. Some, whether it's Madurga, Ambaji, some form, a basic devotional approach to a deity can be for anybody. Now coming to the other aspect, which is that you do sadhana. So sadhana and devotion are slightly different. Sa- devotion, we use the word say lokika devotion. Lokik means uh, general devotion, uh, in customary devotion to the devatas. Okay, So I go to Tirupati, for example, I'll bow down to Lord Venkateshwara. I am not a sadhak of Venkateshwara, but I can bow down to him. There's no problem in that. Somebody who may be an upasaka of Hanumanji is passing through a Durga temple, will bow down to Ma Durga. It's standard. Sadhana is different. Sadhana is where you are trying to have a more detailed understanding of that force, power, that being. So you are coming closer. And that requires a preparation of the mind and body. uh, Because uh, it's like, sometimes I give this example, it's like like putting a hand inside a tornado. Hmm. Because then it is different. Devotion is fine from a distance. And if, if uh, your uh, your luck is right, or the time is right, the deity is pleased, may give you some blessing. And a lot of people will say, I pray to this deity and so many good things happen. That's all wonderful. But sadhana is not to get something. Sadhana is to transform you to become a reflection of the deity. Because only then you can approach them. And then you will see that what changes it brings about, the changed perspective. Why? 
comes back to the root question why did even religion philosophy evolve because human life is miserable end of the day that's the <laughs> one simple story the meaning of life is to suffer yeah how do i get out of the suffering change yourself mm okay how did you accumulate so much knowledge uh, coming to the question uh, i don't know i think uh, an honest answer would be part of it is purvajanma uh, samskara which is i might have been doing practices for a very for many lifetimes actually um i do believe that for a very long time uh, because many of the experiences that i have had uh, when i later analyzed them i uh, came to the conclusion that it was not because of the sadhanas i've done now they are not sufficient to produce this degree of experiences the things i have done in past uh, that and most importantly blessings of a specific form of the mother blessings of a specific form of the mother yeah a specific form why uh so different forms will give you different things okay okay they have their own potency uh this is many years ago i was doing a upasana and uh i saw a form of the mother and uh, there was a specific uh, sort of a benediction a blessing that came uh, which helped me understand things more clearly about spiritual practices and that's a form i worshiped in the past uh, it's a fierce form but fierce kind of knowledge okay it gives you a very deep knowledge of certain areas now knowledge is not a problem the problem is that Uh, nature can teach you a lot of things a you have to become objective first rule is that you cannot be partial okay you see the knowledge nature will teach you everything and but doesn't mean that you have to go ahead and tell 10 people what do you mean partial impartial you have to become okay no, you're saying partial towards some humans for to anything okay your mind has to be objective your mind has to become objective objective means you are uh, it's like if you take the vedantic root i'm just trying to make you understand in vedanta they have this idea of niti niti not this not this not this okay mm. if you if you reject everything then whatever is left is your atma finally at the end of the day okay so same way rejecting means here that you are in the middle of a situation you have your friends uh, at a at a basic level for example a certain degree of objectivity about life okay uh, suppose uh, i have a fight with somebody and uh, i end up getting hurt or something like that verbally even not just physically i'm saying obviously you'll be smarting after that you'll think that okay i need to do. but suppose you are the guy who started the problem okay so are you objective enough to recognize that oh boss i am the one at fault mostly we are not okay so this objectivity is something you have to work on oneself constantly and develop a certain degree of detachment to activities happening around if that comes Uh, and there is a level of curiosity in the mind that also see nature is very smart if you are not curious about these things nature is not going to teach you nature has no job of forcing anybody to do anything that they don't like okay which also means that if something is happening with you now it might be because you had wanted something in the past because the story is not about one lifetime it's about multiple lifetimes okay then eventually what happens at a, a stage will come when <clears throat> so you are curious about something uh you are meditating on it strongly and at a specific time there is this english word called i think it's from the I, perhaps from the bible i don't know epiphany uh how do i put it in those cartoons you'll see a sudden tube light jal gaya dimag mm-hmm. mein something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. fatak and you know that this is the right thing 
it doesn't see normal mind functions in a way of friction so in logic and friction so a this is the evidence for this b this is the evidence i am struggling with balancing both and okay looking at the weightage of the evidence perhaps this is the right thing but epiphany doesn't work that way it's like somebody just pours something into your head and it lightens things up and there's a force involved with it and you know ki this is the right thing after something like that happens about a specific topic i'm thinking uh I still keep it to myself and I observe and I see if I can test it and see that there is truth in this or not. Because whatever has to happen will also have some manifestations here. Only when I'm satisfied, that's it. I love what you said about curiosity. Mm. And I think that my entire generation is at that point of curiosity, which is why podcasts like this are getting the views now. Right. Uh, maybe last year it was about getting them to know who Rajarshi Nandi is <laughs> and all the demonic spirits that he has encountered. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, okay. We had to get people to get to know you. Hmm. But I think 2023 is about deepening knowledge for everyone. Um, you need to have curiosity. You need to be open to these things and yes. then they will come find yes. you. In the yes. same way that this thumbnail got recommended to all of you who clicked on it. <laughs> uh, you were meant to get this information and as we move forward in today's conversation, it's going to become deeper, darker and a lot more anecdotal. Mm. Just before we move ahead, I want to say that maybe certain words will be used in this podcast. So I would highly recommend that you check out Rajeshi sir's first podcast we did, which was the basics of Tantra. And if you want to deepen your knowledge about the theory of Devima, we did a very detailed episode with Dr. Vinita Garwal last year. So go check that one out. But now we'll move forward. Okay. Um, why don't we begin by just talking about the Kamakya Devi temple in Gohati, outside Gohati? Uh, in Gohati. In Gohati. Yeah. Okay. okay. You gave me a very special gift yesterday. Yes. Um, the moment you gave it to me, my heart opened up to it. Mm -hmm. And you said that just place it in on your, your chest, place it on your forehead. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, it felt like, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Skeptics can never be convinced. Mm -hmm. but at least for me, it felt like something just encapsulated mm -hmm. both my heart and mm -hmm. my head. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you give me? And what is the significance of that particular temple? Right. Uh, so, uh, from the historical point of view, we have so we have the idea of Shakti Peters that we know of already. In the most people are aware. Shakti Peters are the Pithavinsa Shetra place of Shakti. Okay, Shakti is Devi. Mm. Uh, an energy center. Energy center. Uh, Shakti can be anything. Shakti is like an open sword. So there is a lot of... When we say Devi, then Shakti is behaving in the form of a deity. When we say Ma, we are trying to get her to become like a mother to us. Just because you are saying Ma doesn't mean that she has accepted you as a child. That is the sadhana. It takes time. It's not that simple. So uh, four ancient Shakti Vitas used to be there. Uh, of these, Kamakhya is one of them. Three of them are almost inaccessible or we don't even know the exact locations. Some perhaps in Afghanistan area. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, like this. There were four original Shakti Peters, very ancient. Okay. Of these four, Kamakhya is the one that is still continuously worshipped and still uh, a powerful Shetra even today. Okay. There are 51 total Shakti Peters, but many of them emerged later on. And in uh, some uh, traditions, it is believed that not just 51, there are more Shakti Bittas, 108, but they're not revealed to the world because perhaps the people are not ready to take them or it's not revealed to all the people, masses. Okay. 
is it true that you know if you visit all 51 or you know even the shiva equivalent temples jyotirlingas yes if you visit all the jyotirlingas at the end of your journey something happens no it depends on the individual okay so everything is so there is our our uh, sadhana is a bit like indian classical music so what happens in indian classical music the notes are fixed okay so this note that note this this comes etc but uh there could be a terrific performer a great master and there could be a novice there's a difference in the playing of the same raga god okay so finally there is an individual component who is it that is visiting okay accordingly for somebody even the first visit may itself trigger hundreds of things for somebody uh, even after going to all the 12 you still may not have an experience immediately but it's still important to go oh it's very important to go to the shetras that is the one thing i advise everybody who is doing sadhana and not just for devi just to slightly take sure. this ye whoever is your ishta devata whichever deity you are worshiping be it ganpati be it shiva be it bhairava be it devi be it hanuman ji lord rama krishna anybody make sure at least once a year visit a powerful kshetra of that deity stay near that kshetra for at least 2 to 3 days and do your practice because by staying there you imbibe the energy of that place into your mind body subconscious okay and no need to do anything complicated the same sadhana that you are doing at home same practice go and do there but stay there at least for one two days what happens you you imbibe that energy and once you come back home and you continue your sadhana that is when you will understand the effect of it okay okay so now tell us about the temple ha uh, so kamakya is very ancient shaktipeetha at least perhaps 2000 2500 or 3000 years old i don't know exactly uh, it was um, um, it is one of the core pithas of tantra sadhana and not just any tantra sadhana kola tantra sadhana okay uh, kola tantra is one branch of tantra which is an extreme form of vamachar vamachar is the left hand path of tantra which we talked about where things like meat alcohol fish etc is offered to the deity okay it's a part of the sadhana standard part of the sadhana and uh, kola tantras actually will tell you that this is of all the paths available in tantra this is actually the highest there is nothing beyond the kola yes it requires a certain degree of preparation to enter into kola tattva uh, somebody who is not prepared if they tried they may fall down this is again coming from the shastras kularnava and other tantras mention all this uh, that's one of the name of the texts kular by, by fall down you mean die no no uh, fall down means any spiritual process uh, if you are not ready for that you will have a spiritual and material fall from there okay it's standard in all uh, spiritual practices fall means you will come to a state which is worse than what you were starting spiritually and otherwise how can it affect you materially ha huh, so materially means because as i right at the beginning just i was mentioning uh, the kind of energy your consciousness imbibes is going to reflect in your surrounding the moment you have a fall automatically it is also going to after some time it is going to reflect in your surroundings whether it's your material life your friend circle or whatever it is or relatives many things can happen suddenly you may have a disease out of the blue uh, some other problem may emerge at home or in, in in these circumstances in the surroundings environment etc so a lot of things so that is a fall uh that is why the idea of spirituality is not to go at rocket speed go at a speed that is suitable for you which you can digest 
whatever you are doing you have to digest it like we were discussing yesterday about in jyotish we were discussing about rahu rahu is a graha that cannot digest because it doesn't have a body it eats but it can't digest so our aim is not to become like that eat as much as you can digest okay so uh, and obviously it depends on individual to individual different people have that because we come from many past lives of sadhana okay some may have started one lifetime some may have started 10 lifetimes ago things like that so from that uh, time onwards kamakya has been one of the most powerful pithas it is believed that the yoni of the goddess the womb of the goddess actually fell in kamakya because uh, the idea of shakti pithas is that uh, when uh, the, when sati was uh, you know she immolated herself shiva took the body of sati and became very angry and there is when vishnu came and cut the body of sati 51 pieces were there and they fell in different parts of india okay of these the yoni fell in kamakya so that makes it an extremely potent kshetra perhaps the most potent kshetras and uh, capable of holding the energy necessary for certain kinds of sadhanas which you cannot do in many other places okay kamakya is one of the most important uh, just recently concluded uh, festivals that happen it's also famous for that it's believed that uh, once a year for four days three days four days uh, inside the garbhagriha of ma kamakya what does that mean garbhagriha means the sanctum sanctorium this innermost place so at the innermost place of uh, the garbhagriha of ma kamakya uh, there is no vigraha there is no idol it's a cave and there is a natural water that comes in okay there is a naturally formed uh in in one of the tantric texts called yogini tantra from 15th century uh, there is a whole chapter giving detailed description of what is there in the garbhagriha and the hill of uh, ma kamakya uh, it's called the neela parvat the mountain is called the blue mountains okay neela parvata vasini she who lives on the blue mountains okay and inside the garbhagriha there is a water that comes out specifically on those four days the water turns reddish it's as if there's a woman who is having her men- menses and the temple remains closed in those four days so nobody is allowed to enter into the garbhagriha but uh, because it's 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 like a time of rejuvenation okay it's time when the energies are gathering together so like a new creation is happening purification sort of look at it that way so l- during that time certain restrictions are followed in sadhana in food habits those who connect to the kamakya pitha those who connect to ma kamakya they follow for example homas are not to be done in that time um, many often uh, especially in older times in eastern india uh, not just in assam even bengal and even perhaps in certain parts of bangladesh uh, before partition so people women would maintain uh, you know eat uh, food that is very light uh, follow certain restrictions not meeting too many people and things like that those four days um, in many temples not all but many temples uh, the vigraha the idol is kept uh, covered in those four days okay so no new religious festival is done in those four days that is not a time when you start any sadhana if there's something you are doing already nitya upasana that is say daily you are worshiping ma kamakya whatever it is that will continue but it is not a time when you start something new and it is it is not a time when you actually do homas and things like that more complicated uh, rituals basically that is those four days are when uh, it's like the earth is uh, regaining its 
powers okay as you said a, a, a kind of a, a purification. purification sort of kind of thing okay also at the time in the in the kamakya temple uh, there is a certain uh, uh, like a fair like a mela that happens a lot of people specifically those connected to the field of tantra sadhana oghar sadhanas and all they gathered together it's like a it's like a celebration okay time of celebration they wait for the temple to open on the fourth day okay uh, certain rituals are performed and the temple is opened in this fourth day and the lot of people come there it these days to the crowds have increased even more because due to the internet and all things people get to know that something like this is happening I so, wonder how <laughs> <Sorry. Go on>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think <laughs> but go on so um, unfortunately though a lot of people don't know what is the significance of this time what to do and what not to do things like that uh, but I guess somewhere down the line it is the will of the Devata Ma mm. Kamakya wills it that is why it is happening if she wanted that no, nobody is to come here she will make sure that nobody comes here mm. she is that powerful she is a completely in in Hindi normal uh, sentences normal parlance we say ki jagrit devata so no, she is extremely powerful i mean extremely powerful to the sense that uh, uh, for a normal human being uh, there is only a percentage about her you can know you can't know beyond that let's just put it this way i have it's, it's unbelievable if you if somebody has some little bit of realization about her okay and it can come to anybody because as i said ki what is your purvajanma samskara who knows hmm? you might have been doing somebody may have been coming to kamakya for the first one lifetime somebody may have been coming for a thousand years who knows okay accordingly she, but she is aware every moment whoever comes there she is aware ki, she does, the dev, devadas don't see you like you are you, you see me and I see you and something like that they see where are you coming from who is it that you were in your past what have you done okay where is there any past connection everything they see and in the current momentum where exactly are you heading that also they can see in the future so she is extremely potent goddess there is no limit to what she can do and cannot do uh, those who have had any experience with her genuine, they will know. And it's not a statement of happy faith. So one is that I can say that, oh, I believe in the deity and I have a lot of faith in her. That's wonderful. But there is another faith that comes after seeing some things. Then you understand, Then you bow down in reverence. This is something else altogether. Before I ask you about what you've seen, <laughs> I will ask you again about the gift. Right. So coming to that point, um, so after the fourth day, during those four days when the water turns reddish, there are uh, uh, cloths kept there and uh, that soaks in that water and that is later distributed to people who are interested or who know what to do with this. These days that is called the Rakta Vastra. Rakta is blood. Cloth. Okay. Cloth of blood. Cloth of Mahakamakya. Okay. Uh, earlier times it used to be even now uh, earlier times it was little difficult to get these days it's more easy to get uh, especially people who do tantra sadhana uh, and I mean tantra sadhana I, when I say tantra sadhana I don't mean all you know that uh, jadutuna type of very negative image that is created in movies no not that okay the actual vidya of tantra which is very powerful very beautiful for them this is one of the most prized things I have that cloth if you have faith in it it's got exceptional blessings of the mother in it and i i know a case for example one of my friends he was telling me this some uh, year or so ago uh, um, 
so i think it's his home or somebody close to him so they had suddenly they felt that there's some negative presence in the house some spirit or something like that weird things started happening foul smells used to appear out of nowhere people were getting disturbed things like that somebody gave them a cloth of that mark this rakta vastra of maka maka all they did was kept it in the puja room put one agarbatti one diya just like that you like a deity and just prayed to it for few days and that problem completely vanished that is very 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 powerful it has charged with power it's charged with her blessings if you have faith in it it can heal it can do anything it can even accelerate your mantra sadhana there is no limit to what she can do okay. there is no limit to what she can do effectively it's fair to say that this is a yantra yes but more than a yantra yeah in a way you can say it is a yantra a yantra for those people who've not seen the intro to two tantra episode is effectively an instrument a tool which helps further your tantric practices yes tantra sadhana yes when you're talking about tantra you're you're basically using the word tantra in its real form which means technique right am i right right yantra are the tools um used in the technique correct one of okay. the tools used okay it's basically a diagrammatic representation of the deity yeah a symbol correct uh, symbol associated with the devata and then uh the yantra there is a pran pratishthapana done on it so invocation of the deity into the yantra there is a specific process once the pran pratishthapana is done then the yantra is alive mm. then okay. you have to treat it like a devata okay um again i do this very hesitantly but it's for the better understanding of the viewers there's a tarama murti in front of me which has been there for all our episodes pretty yes. much now um this is a tibetan uh statue of tarama right um I showed it to Palgar Rinpoche. Hmm. I showed it to Palgar Rinpoche, who is a Buddhist monk who's been guiding me and teaching me about that school of thinking, and they yeah. have their own version of tantra. It's called okay. Buddhist tantra, yeah. Tibetan Buddhist yeah. tantra. Vajrayana. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, when I showed him this statue, and I pick it up with respect, he explained the meaning of the statue. Hmm. But more interestingly, for the viewer, he lifted it upside down, and here we have a symbol. Hmm. I don't know is the camera catching it. catching it there is a symbol right here mm. and then he did this he kind of shook it mm. and he said that in tibetan vajrayana buddhism they actually put scrolls inside where they write mantras on those scrolls okay and when he saw this he lifted it up he said okay this one is definitely fully charged mm. and my re- only reason for bringing this up is to explain yantras better and to explain that tantra is not just limited to india or hindu thought mm. tantra of a version of it has developed in the gulf in africa in tibet in south america in north america uh well there is a version there are certain practices let's put it this way there are certain practices developed in different places which have similarities to our tan- tantra sadhana mm. that we can say and the tibetan vajrayana practice to my knowledge i have limited knowledge i don't practice vajrayana so they had sort of the same geographical area where it kind of started off okay which is north india north india more eastern india 
okay towards the bengal side the pala empire we had kings who were both buddhists and hindu at the same time they used to encourage both practices okay there was the nalanda and other places and then eventually historical things happened and all that and they had to the uh, the monasteries were broken and they had to shift to tibet and then they perfected their practices and of course it diverged at the philosophical level there is a divergence because uh, buddhism has its own philosophical path whereas uh, hinduism uh, dharma has its own slightly different philosophical understanding of these things but yeah that is also tantra sadhana that is buddhist tantra okay um you know how we said tantra means technique mm-hmm. so i'm sure like um the weights developed in the gulf of africa they have their own set of techniques that they probably call a different name or any uh, yeah. all over the world yeah uh because the human story is extremely old if mm. you look at it from a very macro point mm. of view mm. uh i think it's confirmed that the first human being was this evidence related to this the first human being walked the earth 2 lakh to 3 lakh years ago okay somewhere in that timeline that's a very long time mm. for occult techniques to develop right things that take you beyond this realm mm. because even a hunter gatherer who didn't have a place to stay who mm. went from one place to another mm. at some point would have thought why am i here mm. why am i born into mm. this mm. realm with these blue mm. skies and mm. these green trees mm. and then had questions about himself mm. or herself mm. that's where religion spirituality mm. and therefore the occult mm. techniques mm. uh began mm. my right to say all this uh in a way okay. uh, if i if i phrase the same thing so there is a certain organic development of tantra like practices in different places so i would not always use the word tantra for the simple reason is more of a sense of respect for that culture because they may have their own word for it and remember this that whenever there's a technique that comes a technique also is accompanied by certain philosophy that's embedded in the technique and that philosophy that specific culture that people is also going to mold that practice to their understanding mm. and that is human that mm. is perfectly all right that is the way it is to be done okay so there may be religions that will consider tantra to be completely black magic okay so you cannot uh, without their approval you cannot use the word directly that okay you are also doing tantra tantra has a very positive connotation in our space even though uh, even within broad hinduism people have all sorts of ideas about tantra thankfully it is changing a bit um, in tibetans also they call it tantra I, i guess they call it tantra vajrayana practices so that is fine so my only yeah is that whenever a word is to be used it is to be used considering that is it is the native practitioner using something like that okay we can say tantra like practices are there okay for for this podcast let's call it occult practices occult practices yes it's a very integral part of tantra and uh, there is one very important uh, practical distinction that comes in over time between sort of the standard religion uh, what we understand and tantra and that goes for all places where this has happened which is so uh, uh because of the prominence of shakti upasana mind you tantra can be there in hinduism for example can be so there are tantric uh, pujas mantras etc even for lord rama It was a completely vaishnava deity and there are mantras for his uh, for the weapons he holds for krishna there are specific mantras etc one of the most popular mantras of krishna comes from the tantra by the way okay which is i will not mention the mantra but it's it's an 18 akshari everybody all vaishnavas know it by the way i'm sure hari krishna no no that's not that that is that is the one that was given to everybody to chant you don't need specific things but there is 
a specific mantra of Gopala form of Krishna, which is beautiful. If you do the sadhana of it, I've done it once. It's wonderful. In the right way, if it is correctly done, you will start having certain experiences of the deity. So Tantra is a way of approaching a devata. Tantra is not a standalone. Along with it, there is mantra sadhana, there is yantra. And of course, there is an overarching philosophical aspect of it. Tantra also, on a practical aspect, Tantra looks, as I said, it looks at the surroundings. Okay, it's the belief is that the mother, which we call Mahashakti, she has created this world. So she is the one who has come here and formed everything. But while forming, uh, she has sort of curtailed her own powers to this level that there is almost everywhere there is ignorance. So you don't know who is God. You don't know who you are. You don't know nothing. But this you is also her, mm. but in a constricted manner. You as an individual, you have the... Uh, uh, not going very deep into the philosophy but as an individual as a sadhak your job is how do I unfold this and this will happen through two ways one your effort and blessings from the devata it's a way of saying your body mind and soul are capable of evolution yes it's already inside you the potential that software is already inside you correct you are, I, are you willing to put an effort Right. Belief and right. emotion into right. unlocking your true potential. Right. Okay. And that is why, for example, as we were discussing, the great masters from Kashmir, yeah, one of their philosophical uh, terms they used was that um, so rec the final stage is recognition of Shiva. Recognizing that you are Shiva. So true. you are not discovering. You are recognizing. Through unlocking your own Shakti. Yes. By through the practices. Because Shakti is the gulf between that and okay. she is the one who has come down. Okay, she is the one who has created everything. Now, it is important to understand this because there is a difference from another religious view where there is a divine or a god or whatever uh, creator, whatever you believe, who is outside of the system. That is not part of Tantra. Tantra doesn't look at it that way. Yeah, we believe that there is a mother who is imminent. Imminent means embedded inside, who is also transcendent, is outside. Both are equally true. And our job is we start with the imminent and slowly, slowly move upwards through sadhana. So at the end of your sadhana, not at the end, when you reach a certain point of progress, yeah. your kundalini awakens? Yes, kundalini awakens, yes. That is to there. That will happen. And this is what you're trying to say in terms of you unlock your own shakti? Yes. What I'm trying to say is that tantra starts with... So shakti upasana is like this... And this is something I read in a very nice commentary on a book uh, on Tantra uh, in Bengal. Bengal has some of the finest books on Tantra perhaps uh, because the practice has been going on for a long time. Okay. Commentary I was reading. So it, the gentleman writes a fantastic, uh, beautiful paragraph, the commentator. So he says that Shakti Upasana's beauty is that once you start Shakti Upasana, your experiences will start very fast because Shakti is here. Without Shakti, you can't even sit in the chair. Shakti is everything, is energy. It's movement, okay? Force that is causing you to move. Everything, your thoughts are moving. The earth is moving. Everything is moving because of something, the force that is creating this movement. That is Shakti, okay? Ishwara, on the other hand, is more transcendental. He is at a very high state. He is not going to come down so easily. A general perception. There may be some philosophies which believe slightly differently, but not going to so much nuance at the moment. But so Ishwara is more transcendental aspect. Okay. It's supreme. So this is also supreme. It's your understanding that is not seeing it as supreme. Got okay. It. This is supreme, that is supreme. It is not that that is only supreme. That it's just two flavors of a reality. 
divinity okay one is transcendental flavor and one is immanent immanent means it has embedded itself into the universe okay, okay. it is there in everything but you can't see it but then you can't see the transcendental also okay so transcendental you have to lift yourself up to that realm and may get an experience and there is anugraha that comes grace that comes from the transcendental divine okay uh, because of this there are certain there are not just uh, parts of hindu philosophy there are other religions which function in the same model there is a creator outsider who is doing something and is sending some what guiding a religion or guiding humanity okay tantra starts doesn't start from there it starts from here finding the divinity that is inherent inside the earth inside creation so tantra does not believe in maya tantra says maya is a play of shiva a play of shakti it is this world is real it is not it is not a figment of your imagination it is not a dream it is not a delusion no no it is absolutely real it causes a certain amount of attachment to you you have certain attachments and that gives you a lack of clarity lack of objectivity mm. slowly through sadhana you peel off all the uh, things that are obstructing your consciousness uh, chains that bind your consciousness you slowly start becoming free okay so this is more or less the idea so tantra sadhana coming to the point from where we started so uh, a practice that may have been uh, prevalent perhaps in ancient uh, egypt or as you mentioned africa uh, other places so when you see something that uh, takes into account the organic environment in which it is happening and uh, elements from that environment uh, and use elements from the environment that is very much tantra like hmm on the other hand if you believe that no all this is whatever is there in around me in the physical plane is all uh, ignorance or wrong and there is a creator who is outside and above etc and i only do worship of that creator that is not tantra god okay uh there are tribes present in india today as well okay in like the deep forests <laughs> they also engage in a format of tantra you can call that tantra is very vast so as we had uh, coming you know uh, while the central idea of tantra is to worship the devatas in a very real manner there is also darker aspects also involved in it so yes uh, there are tri tribes who practice tantra uh, tantra is very similar to even the folk religions that you can call them various folk religions that are there are also highly influenced by tantra or that's a form of tantra folk tantra you can call it something like that something that <clears throat> starts with an organic understanding of your environment your place desh kal becomes very important what is the place what is the time a tantric ritual when is to be performed uh, one of the things most key ingredients is that uh, uh, what is the time time means as we were discussing devatas have their own tithis and all that so if you have to worship ma kali for example amavasya is a very good time amavasya new is new moon new moon is is ideal for her okay uh so for some other deity it could be something else so time becomes crucial uh, ingredients become crucial ingredients means what is it that you have to offer to her what is it that she likes okay what are the things that a specific deity needs what are the mudras that they need okay what is the mudra that she likes what is the mudra that somebody else likes etc so various um, things mudra is a formation of your fingers and hands gesture a kind of okay so like that various mudras are there so, mm. so one mudra is to offer something to the deity one mudra is to invoke the deity okay 
एंड एज यू की प्रैक्टिसिंग इट विल रेजोनेट विद सर्टन थिंग्स चेंजेस दैट विल ऑकर इन साइड यू सो देर इज नॉट गोइंग टू बी अ डिफरेंस द मोमेंट यू डू द मुद्रा इमीडिएटली इन साइड यू विल सी अ स्पेसिफिक टाइप ऑफ वाइब्रेशन दैट इज हैपनिंग एंड यू नो दैट देर इज अ कनेक्शन दैट इज बीइंग फॉर्म्ड ओके यू नो दैट वन ऑफ द स्टीरियोटाइप्स विद बंगालीज इज दैट there's two stereotypes mm. the first one is that they're very good looking <laughs> and the second stereotype is that uh, there has been a lot of tantric practice in bengal yeah i feel like there's been tantric practices all over india yes. but it's just survived in bengal you can call it that way yes uh what do bengalis know that the rest of india doesn't know do you guys have this kind of conversation more often like is it more free flowing uh in some depends not all places but yeah in some some places in bengal uh, there is a more organic uh, acceptance of tantra which is not there uh, outside of bengal uh, in many places so the word tantra automatically uh, evokes fear or mixture of you know that thing but not necessarily because one of the other reasons is that ma kali is so widely worshiped in bengal she is like one of the adhishtatri devis adhishtatri means one of the one of the goddesses of that geographical location okay let's put it that way so obviously if you have devotion to kali ma kali eventually somewhere or the other the concept of tantras will start appearing in your life wow there's no que- that is her path it is shakti who has created this path and who loves this path so obviously if you are um, specially kali ma kali if you worship uh, if you keep worshiping eventually on your own there will be certain transformative changes towards i'm not saying you'll become you'll knowledgeable in tantra that to depends on a lot of other factors but your mind will become more open towards acceptance that this is a valid path maybe to understand your world better now we get into your experiences a little bit okay whatever you can reveal maybe before we get into the experiences i want to talk about the outcomes of last time's podcast series that we did we did five episodes yeah all of them had anecdotes and experiences yeah uh do you think it attracted some negative energy towards you because we were talking about negative things and addressing negative energies uh yeah perhaps to some degree okay um uh, so negative energy attraction uh well not negative but let's say that yeah there were a lot of people with lot of problems uh, involved in uh, related to spirits black magic who tried to contact me for help uh, on the other hand as i keep repeating after that in fact uh, because there was so such an overwhelming amount of emails i couldn't even read when i open my mailbox it's like flooded 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 randomly one or two i can pick up that's like humanly possible to do okay majority of them were related to these kind of uh, some negative influence going on and etc etc and these things are not easy to deal with by the way because they involve lot of expenditure of your own energy in you only as a human you have only limited amount of energy so you can't do more than that okay uh that's one thing so i had to open another mailbox <laughs> because of that and um i kept uh, telling people that it's better to find somebody close by instead of trying to come to me because first of all these things there's a barrier of a distance not all things can be done at a distance things like that um then um uh, eventually because of the mails uh flow of mails i had to start my own small youtube channel to answer few Uh, very pop common questions that keep coming because instead of replying to everybody thought that would be easier way to just you know explain to people 
things like that so yeah in that sense there has been more volume of uh, whether it's uh, abhichara black magic or spirit related problems that have come few of them that came after that some were easier some one or two were very difficult but i will not go into uh, explaining all of that um, but um, uh, yeah it was a learning lesson for me also let's put it that way okay these are extremely advanced beings very powerful um, very dangerous in our puranas when you read about asuras and rakshas and demons also praying to shiva mm. also praying to ma mm. uh they are also gradually accumulating power from yeah. shiva from ma yeah now you as a human in this life and probably in your past human lives have also accumulated a certain amount of power mm. but say you've only been accumulating it for 200 to 300 years yeah these might have been accumulating it for 20000 years mm. so do you praying to the same deity mm. they just have a larger weapon to hit you with right so correct so as we were discussing so i'll exp- explain this point sure you're right so one of the when i was uh, specific case when i was discussing with somebody so who was more senior and experienced in these matters he told me a very fantastic line that was a learning yeah in a way uh, so he asked me that how do you plan to deal with this specific case situation so i said that uh, suppose i do xyz of uh, bhagwan bhairava because he is very good in dealing with negative entities he said then uh, that gentleman heard and he just smiled and he said that uh, he asked me in hindi tum kitne saal se puja kar rahe ho bhairava baba so i said so many years okay so it's it 10 years it 20 years okay 20 saal 30 saal jo bhi said that that entity you are going to pick a fight with has been worshiping for 200 300 years why do you think bhairava will listen to you so here is this interesting thing you learn from this thing the cosmic devatas gods uh, be it shiva etc they are not only gods for humans they are also gods for all these entities and all that they look they, at it in the same way that we do they have a tremendously detached view of things they are not particularly invested or involved or completely that okay i am partial to only this human race not like that and our puranas describe that there have been so many cycles of creation uh, one creation happened didn't work out god destroyed etc so it is not that they have any specific uh you're talking about deities here devatas great yeah. deities okay mm. great deities they they don't care whether you're human whether no. you're no that's what they they are worshiped by everybody is not just the humans who are worshiping they are worshiped by all these entities also and we we describe shiva one of the names of shiva or bhairava is bhutesha lord of the bhutas bhutas are spirits mm. they also worship okay they also get scared of him they also revere him and he has this in a way you can look at it the magnanimity of the deity is that he accepts even that which is rejected by the normal human society okay mm. he is not saying no to them okay and he has his ways of understanding and judging so that was a lesson for me um that uh, those entities it was multiple actually were uh, far powerful and it would be foolish to try and do something on my own without sufficient preparation backup and other things involved okay but thankfully that got resolved in a certain manner though there were other troubles that happened it wasn't easy uh, that too i credit to mark amakya that eventually we found a way to put that into uh you know some kind of a semblance of order i know you can't describe the details of yeah. the story or anything but can you give some input on how you battled with these things uh so uh 
well <laughs> if you can, if you want to say no you can <laughs> no i will not again it, it will involve certain more details which i don't want to put out in a public uh, okay yeah like this but uh, but in the process of dealing with uh, uh, these so the, obviously see if I, at the end of the day at a, at a very simple level if you are affected by say spirit low small level spirit so the way to go about it is that you do uh, say protective measures of deities kavacha for example kavacha is a kind of a stotra part which is a protective armor that creates the energy of protection okay all deities have their kavacha would hanuman chalisa count as that uh, to a degree a soft one softer one but also because hanuman ji is kind and because people have lot of devotion so at the initial levels and all that it is very good at the initial levels most people will only encounter initial levels what the levels i'm talking about it is very rare to encounter these things uh, if you're very unfortunate then you may but uh, it's rare in india the amount of these things that happen is still lower than it happens as i was talking uh, mentioning in some other places that happen okay. you want to mention nah, the other the... <laughs> wow okay like to the audiences your podcast bhaiya really wants to tell you but, <laughs> but i think it's actually better it's ethical not to hmm. mention these things because i'll tell you what my learning from the last year doing so, so many horror podcasts has been that i invited that energy into my yeah. life I was actually in a relationship with someone who was a bit of a psychic, and she mm. would also talk about these things a lot. And mm. I didn't know that about her until we actually started dating. Mm. So many people came on the show. Mm. There was a few rejected podcasts because mm. I think people had just come on the show with bad intention, mm. including right after your shoot. Yes. The last time you remember, there was a lady yeah. who came. Mm. We haven't uploaded that episode, but while talking to her, I knew that this is not mm. a correct energy. Mm. And that night, something happened to me. Mm. So. Mm. I don't. I don't want to invite these things back into my life either. Right. I want to actually stop making horror podcasts. Maybe once in a while. Right. But uh, even it's I would like idea. to. It's a good idea. Hmm. Why do you think it's a good idea? Uh, there's no end to the darkness. How deep will you go? And eventually, let me put it this way: there are people, um, specific types of people who deal exclusively with these things. By the way, okay. uh there are people like that who deal exclusively with the negatives and they go to an extreme extent where they might even capture a negative and um use it for various purposes and all that uh it may seem that you have it has a you know suddenly you may find that as if the person has some divine power etc but how do you know the source of that power see that is where sadhana comes into play there are certain mantra sadhanas if you actually do them okay and you have done them properly and you come across somebody who is manifesting some strange abilities you have that mantra you study that mantra you you practice that mantra and you have attained to a certain degree of proficiency you go near that person if he is using something negative it will immediately stop nothing will work only if it is using he is getting blessings from some devata proper devata like lord shiva or ma durga or something like then it will continue anything lesser than that will stop there are protective measures like this so all is <laughs> like a battle spiritual mm. battle mm. there are armors from both sides there are weapons from both sides okay but yeah remember that the other thing that i was saying is that people who deal with the negatives even in the sense of trying to cure the negatives for example there are a lot of people who actually do these things more than actual sadhana um, why uh temperament tendency some kind of attraction they feel material gain material gain is one aspect of it but there is also the thrill of it 
of just dealing let's with just the say that there is a if you as we were talking about astrology yesterday jyotisha there are certain horoscopic combinations that you can easily make out if this person enters into this field he'll get keep getting pulled and pulled more drawn to the darkness more drawn to the darkness it's an, and i'm not even talking about material gains that's the one aspect of it that can happen and a lot of people do that by the way even famous people okay but i'm saying that there is a that has an inherent pull in itself some people resonate to that pull and they will go in and eventually you'll get destroyed there's no light anywhere coming out there when you're saying eventually you'll get destroyed either you'll have a painful end to your life and pain is not just physical it could be an emotionally extremely painful end to your life but more importantly once you're on the other side after you have gone past death yes i would like to know what happens there because you've dealt with these entities these darker entities for so long what happens after that so after death is even more problematic because most likely so if you have been using one of these entities for whatever purposes uh, that individual will end up as a uh, sort of a servant or a slave or something like that to that entity and because these entities have tremendous lifetime lifetime is not like humans we have like 670 years 80 years or what whatever so these entities can live for 600 700 800 years so you keep acting as a slave or a servant to that entity and for you have 600 no, years you have no respite from there and it's very painful it's not like a human slavery and all that oh it's a, it's a different thing altogether until somebody if at all you have the punya karma that somebody more powerful higher takes pity and draws you out of that mess which is very unlikely okay okay and apart from that this is to post death another thing that happens is that you are not alone remember this thing you are always you always have equations which means father mother wife children brother friends something on the other is there right so they are very much capable of affecting them because affecting them means it is going to cause stress to you because you are connected to everybody they know this very well where is your weak point okay why do i hit you so that it hurts they are very much capable of this how can they hit your relatives oh so many things suppose a relative has an accident suddenly immediately you have to rush there you don't know somebody dies something happens some you know some loss in your work so many ways you can they can cause you stress how would it cause an accident i remember a true incident from your city here uh, i was not involved but a friend very close friend so he was describing i think he was uh, in maybe 11 or 12 one of the roads i don't even remember which road it is in mumbai only so uh, i remember it vaguely but it's more contours of it i'll tell you sure. so he's i think he was traveling and there is somebody um, driving in the car and then they find some lady or somebody who just asks for a lift it's pretty late in the night so they take the lady in uh, she's sitting in the back the car uh, and they're driving and even though we did not want horror but it's still coming in <laughs> <I'm> saying <laughs> sorry sir <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so after some time suddenly he sees that his friend was driving he's like kind of a the car he stops the car but it's more like a you know almost accidental stop and he jumps out of the vehicle straight away crosses the road and is puking and this guy he also ki kya hua hai what happened and he says that that lady who was there suddenly sees in the mirror that her face is just a skull okay 
and he immediately has an accident and then they can't find the lady anymore at that time there was some uh, i think temple or something close by or i don't know maybe a mosque or a temple i, I can't remember exactly uh, somebody from there comes in and says that this kind of an incident has been happening a lot of times in this road uh, people suddenly see uh, see you are driving something suddenly in front of you, you see something horrific so you lose control you have an accident you die so many non physical entities have a lot of ways in which they can manipulate your reality they can become visual happenings around you visual auditory auditory uh, even physical there are cases where you might get physically beaten by these entities also that also i've seen but let me clarify so that i do not get any more mails that i don't <laughs> deal with these things so if something like this is bothering you find somebody close by mm. to help you out mm. uh because i really there's only so much quota that i will take not more than that because uh, there is uh, humanly there is only so much you can do that's the understanding is to be very clear okay what is your capacity competency and how much you can take and how much you should not take what is it there is sometimes prudence in avoiding things than in doing things yeah i tell all my podcast guests to only reply to mails if they truly feel mm-hmm. that their heart is mm. in that particular mm. problem again this is taking nothing away from my empathy towards the writers mm. of the mails right right i feel I bad for you yeah. i'm sorry but you need to understand mm. the human side of me <laughs> and my guests like empathize with us right there are too many mails coming in to respond to everything mm. so sorry <laughs> that's uh, all yeah is is that the reason you're not talking about like the scary or stuff because people no 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 because uh, uh, uh some things are fresh so let's okay uh, and because there are other people involved also okay so i'd not like to bring if i uh, if i bring out more details so if not them because your uh, these things will be these podcasts will be seen a lot of people so somebody close to them may find out something like this they may find okay two or two four that this perhaps is this guy so i don't want it's like a sort of a breach of privacy which i don't want to do mm, mm. in that okay. sense no, okay fair. but uh, since we are in the topic <laughs> there's another one that i had to deal with two which were very uh, kind of nasty is sure. the word for it uh, so ma kama kes like this she said okay i'll show you ki why did you ask for it i don't know just the thought came okay after trs not necessarily after <laughs> trs it was few months after that it was this happened around uh, say uh, march feb march okay march okay uh this was also a very nasty case of possession a very bad case of possession and uh, with a lot of marks and a lot of uh, there's a bit of sexual element involved okay uh, from spirits it's possible these things possible as in they will take advantage of you sexually without your consent yeah, yeah. yes they can especially women no it could be men also really yeah men women both like okay. a female spirit or a male yeah. spirit yeah. taking advantage sexually of you as yeah. a, a human being yeah okay okay that's possible uh, so there were some cases uh, that i dealt with like that um, so there uh, was very interestingly though the entity was far off but after some time it started manifesting certain kinds of attacks very close to me okay interest and 
I had been warned of it, by the way, by one of my seniors that ki be careful, ये होने वाला है, and you and it will happen at a time when you are uh, when you have thought that sort of that you have brought things under control. ये आ गया है, but they wait for the time when you are a little bit more relaxed or when your own defenses may be a little down. Okay, so I woke up one day suddenly with high fever and things like that out of the blue. Uh, there's no reason for it, uh, and lot of weakness and uh, some other signs were manifesting around, which told me that this is not at all normal. It's more like an attack that was there. But thankfully, then at the end of the day, I have a very strong uh, group of spiritual friends and backups, uh, which are always there. And also there is the Ishta Devatas. So about a week, I was down with uh, physically down with fever and things like that because of that. Then I uh, recovered. and uh, then me being me so i started doing again to remove that entity so because uh, it it becomes like a challenge thing okay so usko karna hai and uh, sort of things eventually took a more stable condition let's put it this way okay? you're battling through your place of practice the same place that you do your sadhana uh, when i did fall sick i was not in my place of sadhana had i been in my home at that time there's very uh, it would have there's a good chance that nothing would have happened because it has its own protections i was traveling i was traveling very intensely going to a lot of places like you know uh, hardly time to take rest so travel itself makes you kind of weaker because you are not i am not able to not able to do the full scope of the practices that i do daily on a regular basis if i am at home so i have to cut down on that because there's hours and hours of traveling involved bare minimum i was doing so automatically your aura becomes a little weak normal course it's fine nothing is going to happen but if you are into these things you are dealing with these things then uh, and of course as i the lesson in this that i learned was that again a bit of overconfidence that i thought that okay i've brought everything oh theek hai koi kar lunga etc etc but when i had least expected that's when this kind of attack manifested okay uh on the other hand the other thing is as i mentioned that if at all if there are people who involve in these kind of um there are many there are people who are who as i mentioned that you know who like uh, doing these kind of things uh, there is no foolproof defense by the way remember this there is no armor that cannot be broken there is no defense that is completely foolproof there is not like ki uh, i do this practice or that mantra or this meditation or that god all that is fine but there could be a darkness which you will not be able to handle there is no end to the light there is no end to the darkness and beyond the darkness and light there is the god sitting who oh, they see both we had goranga das on the show okay uh, from iskon okay. he spoke about 14 lokas okay and how earth is the middle loka mm-hmm. above us there are higher mm-hmm. worlds mm-hmm. below us there are lower, lower worlds. worlds these entities are housed in those lower worlds not all of them are actually in the lower worlds some of them may be in the intermediate worlds what does that mean <laughs> so you are here and let's just say the gods are here okay between up. you and the gods there are many gradations of reality right. they may some of them may be in some of these gradations of reality okay which is little higher than you but far away from the gods mm. okay and they can cause trouble to you 
Okay. Now, I just want to be clear here. This is not like even if you have a spaceship that's capable of achieving the speed of light. Huh. You won't be able to go to those worlds through a physical spaceship. Yes. It is another universe. Right. It's not a physical thing. It's more, uh, it's difficult to define it in the physical sense. But uh, let's just say it's there. Okay. Mm. Um, it's another universe basically. Sort of. And how do you go from our universe to that universe? <laughs> death? Uh, normal course. You may not actually go to those planes. After death, it depends on your karmas. Depends okay. on your uh, desires and the, the flux that is created through your karmas and your desires. And then nature decides where you might go. Okay. Mm. That's one thing. You might not pass to them. But on the other hand, you might pass to some of the layers which are closer to earth. And then there are layers where there are beings who have never been born. will never be born. But they are not gods. They are more capable than you. Uh, in some senses. But they also have their limitations. That is why they are not gods. What okay. are they? Various things are there. These uh, Some of these entities are there. You know, whether it's the negative sense, then there are on the another sense, there are certain beings which are closer to the deities also. They have a lot of abilities. I don't know. I think maybe we spoke about them or not. Gandharva. Uh, ha, Gandharva. Higher than that is there. But those are not going to affect you so badly, by the way. Okay. They don't um, interact with humans that much. Very rarely they get come to the human planes. Uh, then there are yoginis, yakshinis, various things are there. Okay. Okay. What is their life's purpose? Spiritual growth. Everybody has their own version of spiritual growth. Everybody has their own version of dharma. Including the negative entities. Yeah. Dharma means... Uh, I In your one of your podcasts only, I heard, I think, uh, she's a good friend, Ami Ganatra. Yeah. And uh, I think she was explaining dharma uh, in some case... In, some spaces and there was a very beautiful thing she said and it stuck in my mind um, that that whatever practices beliefs activities that help to sustain a thing for a longer time the positive sustainability is one of the key factors of dharma and that I think is a very nice definition of dharma so whatever helps to sustain and for that if there is something uh, immediately harmful that needs to be done then that is also part of dharma for example, if you have an uh, injury in your leg or something, you go to the doctor and says that, okay, we have to do an operation. So that's immediately painful. At the immediate moment, it can cause you pain. But at the end of the day, it will save your leg. Okay. So that is also dharma. So dharma is that which sustains. So any activity you perform that helps you to sustain um, the qualities that you need to sustain, by the way, not the negative qualities, that which makes you more divine um, sort of qualities that takes you closer to the divine qualities. Anything that helps to sustain that, that is dharma. And dharma has two aspects. One is, of course, the physical aspect of uh, what we do and do not do and practices and, and social norms, ethics, these, that. And then there is the occult aspect. The occult aspect of dharma is worship of deities, uh, Veda, uh, Parayana, Dhyana. And then there are uh, different rituals that are there. All these are parts of dharma. Okay, they also, so dharma is not entirely a completely physical realm thing. It is also um, the spiritual realm and the occult realm things that which if performed will help you sustain here and help you grow. Similarly, these entities have their own dharma. They have their own sense of what they consider as growth. It may not be your growth by the way. So for a negative entity, they may think that I, if I become more negative, that is my dharma. Still, kill. Whatever, whatever has to be done for that. So they'll do that. 
what is their interest in human life it's a difficult question to answer but i feel because human beings are good toys <laughs> to play with because humans are very easy to influence like we are like the dolls barbie dolls ken dolls uh, sort of um, and um, that is one thing but the other thing is that this worlds they inhabit uh, are not physically far away from where you are it's in the physical space but it's like a different dimension kind of thing okay as in you go into a very creepy looking hut or a house in the middle of nowhere and mm. you feel a certain eeriness you don't know what it is there's no one there mm. but you just feel it's very heavy and you want to get out mm. they're probably there perhaps okay we can't fully say yes or no but yeah this happens to me a lot in forts abandoned forts right. which you have a lot of in maharashtra right. itself right. there used to be one in there is one mm. in siuri which is okay. next to wadala it's a old siddhi fort so these were the african warriors who okay. were brought in by the mughals to combat the maratha empire okay. when it was on its rise mm. uh, and that fort was won and lost by both sides continuously okay the moment you enter the fort first the architecture hits you second the vibe hits you <laughs> <laughs> you go into certain places you just know you're supposed to not be there mm. it becomes dark you know you're supposed to get out correct i have a bath every time i've left mm. that fort salt water bath just mm. to wash it off because that place has seen so many mm. battles it's mm. probably seen so much pain mm. and the one thing i know about a lot of ghosts and i'm not mm. talking about demonic entities here mm. one thing i know about a lot of ghosts is that sometimes they don't know that they're ghosts themselves mm. and they're trying to interact with you mm. saying hey why aren't you talking mm. to me <laughs> but in truth you can't mm. even hear them mm. uh and you, you just feel that heaviness sometimes after you mm. visit mm. that place but mm. a lot of forts in general mm. do you feel this when you visit certain historical monuments yes same reason same reason there is a certain i can't uh, describe it in words but a different kind of feeling which is not positive that comes in so you understand that there is most likely the presence of some entities here uh and not just ghosts there could be even entities more powerful than them okay as we had discussed earlier uh so so these things are there preet vishaj <laughs> <laughs> these things are there uh i believe so i also believe that anybody who uh specifically pursues these things for whatever reason as i said there are people who actually you know uh, who like going and uh, curing sort of these things it's not just the money or anything it's more the thrill of a thing ki mai kar sakta hu etc eventually end of the day you will lose let us put it this way it's just a matter of time when are you going to lose how what is loss what loss is, is that somebody of one of the one day or the other you will encounter one of those entities whom you cannot defeat who will defeat you and their defeat is finish they're not they're not leaving there's not a second chance like they'll kill you cause so much damage not just kill you may lose your mind you may be completely turn up psychotic uh, you know lot of things can happen lot of things what is this lose your mind angle I lose your mind means you lose your mental stability then people will put you into some asylum or somewhere they'll think that you have gone crazy so if you go to a mental asylum right now there could be people who have actually done exactly that uh, i can't say but i'm just saying uh, that if somebody pursues this path endlessly eventually one day or the other you will fall what is the spiritual aspect of losing your mind how can these entities actually go into your brain and play with your neurons no no your thoughts they can influence your thoughts very easily one of the typical ideas in yoga sri aurobindo used to say that 
just about most of the thoughts that you get in your head are not yours in the first place. Whose thoughts are they? Somebody else's, something that is floating in the air. Sometimes there's a pattern of thoughts that come recurringly to certain individuals, etc. So none of it is yours. It's like yours, you're just an open receiver that comes in. But a receiver with an ego, so moment a thought comes in, your ego attaches itself to it and you think, oh, it's, I am thinking about it. And this knowledge, if somebody has and somebody is advanced enough, you can even plant a thought in somebody's head. As a human being. Oh, yes. And they will think that I am thinking about it. And then they will act according to the thought. This is like that Vashikaran mantra. Uh, no, that uses something else. That's that's another zone that uses... Uh, uh, this is more subtle. It's very difficult to explain. The influence of this is very subtle. If somebody does it. Uh, very subtle. Thoughts are subtle. Thoughts are not heavy. But these things like Vashikaran is that you feel a physical urge to be at a certain place or with a certain individual. A physical urge to be at a certain place or with a certain, certain individual. As if, as if somebody is physically pulling you. Why don't you explain a little bit about what Vashikaran mantra is? No, no. Vashikaran is there are Shatakarmas that are there possible in Tantra. Okay. <laughs> Shatakarmas means six types of Kriyas. Okay. Active rituals, broad classification. One is the Shanti Karma. Shanti is peace. Anywhere you need peace, uh, in a home, in an environment, something like that, you do Shanti Karma. Then there is something Vashikaran, Sammohan, etc. Vashikaran is to bring somebody under your control. Okay, it could be anything, anybody. Okay, you do certain rituals to do that. Uh, Sammohan is a mild attraction you produce in somebody. Mild attraction? Yeah, Vashikaran is more tivra. Intense. Intense. As, as I said, Vashikaran, if it is done on somebody, properly done, and that person has no resistance to these things, so he will, he or she will feel a physical need to be at a certain place or meet a certain individual or go there or do something. You will not be able to uh, resist it so easily unless you have certain, if you do spiritual practices that keep, that acts as a, you know, something that protects your order from these things. Okay. Generally saying. Okay. Before you move forward in the explanation, you want to explain what those other six are? Yeah, so then there is uh, Shanti, Vashikaran, Sammohan, Uchatan. Sammohan is Sammohan mild, is mild attraction. attraction. Then Uchatan. Uchatan. Which is? Uchatan is to remove somebody from a place. Like a position? No, aha, it could be on anything for that matter. So you are you live in a particular city in a particular house. Suppose somebody does something like that. So within suddenly two, three days you will feel, no, I have to leave this city, I have to leave this house. I can't stay here anymore. Just leave and go. And until you go, you will not be satisfied in the heart. Okay. That is Uchatan. Hmm. Okay. Then, then uh, Uchatan, how many did we cover? Four. Four. Uh, Uchatan, Maran. Okay. Uh, Vidveshan. Vidveshan is basically causing conflict between individuals. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Uh, it can be done on two or three individuals. It can be done on a group also. Okay. And then finally it is Maran. Death producing ritual. <laughs> it's there. And these were supposed to be used in extreme cases. So that see if you if you remember, uh, uh, I think when we were doing the last time when we were doing the podcast, I had mentioned one key thing and I tell that to people. The root of all this is the human heart. In your office, you have a fight with somebody, you think that oh, agar bhaag jaya na, office chorke to So your Uchatan started there. Ooh. Hmm. These are just means to manipulate reality to get that thought. Yeah, it's like it's like basically 
Tantra is saying that if you have, if you want to do that, I'll show you how to do it better. But whether you want to do or it's up to you. And the responsibility will also come to you. As in the outcome of that karma. Yeah, definitely. So for example, if someone does a Vashikaran Mantra on a girl or guy that they wish to... Uh, Entice. Yeah. What will be the outcome of that? There is going to be some repercussion of obviously. On the, it depends on, it cannot, you cannot say it like this. Why? Because you do a particular mantra on somebody and suppose the person uh, loses his or her mind or does something very drastic. Like what? Anything can happen. You do, uh, say they commit suicide. Okay. Because they're not able to feel satisfied or whatever it is. So you can, that's where this, that phrase also comes in. Remember we were talking yesterday, you mentioned from the Gita that the karma is very deep thing, deep thing in this sense, because until and unless there is physically what is manifesting out of it. So you can do this activity and you think that, okay, XYZ person will come to me. But what if the person is not coming to you? What if the person has some resistance? So there is going to be some pull and there is some inner resistance. And this conflict reaches a point that uh, they're not able to function properly. They lose their job. They end up in a hospital. They get back. So you are basically accumulating one trigger has caused so many other negative things. All that negative is going to come back to you. Not just one thing. Every bit of negative that that person is facing is going to come back to you. This is what the world would call black magic. All these things. <laughs> this is just application of mantra shakti. Uh, is there a positive... Why not? Same things. In I'll tell you now, coming back to Kamakya, we have gone too much into <laughs> this. Uh, so, uh, one of the recorded, uh, um, one of the chroniclers uh, during the Mughal times and others, uh, I forgot the name of, uh, of the chronicler. Uh, so, he records that uh, the Mughal emperor Aurangzeb could not gather an army to attack Kamakya why? Because the last time there was an attack, uh, apparently, an army of one lakh people vanished in the forests while later, while coming towards uh, attacking Kamrup. Kamrup is the region. Okay, uh, only the horses and things were left. Men had vanished, and they believe it is because of the occult power of Kamakya. Wow. So here is a here is a foreign power that is going to attack you. You are free to use all the six rituals. Ooh, it's like you take out your weapons. Absolutely, and also you you fight physically and you fight astrally. Yeah, this has come up on the show. We had Radha Krishnan Pillai who's dedicated his life to Chanakya, okay. and Chanakya also used to use the occult during war. Yes. It is absolutely legitimate to use it. It's the same five six things that you spoke about. Yes. And I'm assuming that the technique to use them includes mantras as well as yantras. Lot of other things are there. Lot of other things. Yes. Mudras. I, many things. Vastu is one of the most key things. Clothes? No, no. <laughs> that is Vastra. Vastu means basically objects. What is it to be used? Specific. Every object in the world has a specific energy. Tantra also uses this thing, which is that I let me combine this specific object. Certain roots of certain plants... Collected on specific tithis. So time is important. You can't just pick up any day from specific places. Energize with certain mantras. Keep it in your place. Certain changes will start happening within a few months. Mm. These are all parts of tantra. Those who have that knowledge. 
I want to break down this Aurangzeb situation a little bit because I have some historical context here as yeah. well. What I will mention though for listeners is that if you pick up any witchcraft 101 book which is written from a western perspective a celtic perspective which developed in europe mm-hmm. uh they talk about witchcraft rituals in those where it's the same thing there is a spell mm-hmm. with made through words there is objects mm-hmm. included mm-hmm. and there is timing mm-hmm. and certain positions are supposed to sit in mm-hmm. which takes me back for a brief moment to the start of the podcast where i say that these are all human story related <laughs> realities where the world is not as simple as scientific as you would like to believe while growing up mm. now coming back to this example <laughs> of aurangzeb attacking assam i believe historically the ahom dynasty was yeah uh in assam at that time and they are regarded with reverence because i think it was the one part of india where Which the mughals no one, could not conquer or even conquer for any significant period of time and you're saying that there was definitely an occult energy yes yes behind all things that happen here specifically mega things there's always an occult energy always behind all things that happen here means in this plane that is significant you mean if there is a massive event yeah it has it has an imprint in the occult even before it happens let's begin this tangent of the show by asking you a simple question how do you define the occult what do you even mean that which you cannot see magic you call it magic you call it whatever that which you cannot see but does not mean that it does not exist see uh, to give a very rough example suppose the electromagnetic force you can't see that force but it exists it causes some effect somewhere mm. right you can measure it you have the mathematics for it but uh, have you seen it wind or gravity mm. have you seen it Mm. so it's like that in some ways not exactly let's not bring too much of science into it science is good in its own domain this is good in its own domain based on your knowledge of the occult what do you think actually happened when those 1 lakh ah there's so many the kamakya is endless endless what uh, the kind of the caliber of yogis tantric yogis that have been there in past uh, right now to it's much more reduced form one of the principal reasons is that so many people go there the more number of people go there the really powerful things will go in the background it's not meant for the masses the really powerful thing yeah of course that's the natural thing the the, the more there is a crowd the more is the lower common denominator of the spirituality that will be present there wow so isolated temples why do you think the himalayas are so powerful how many people go there Hmm. So okay. like that I am a bit confused here and I'll tell you why because of what we spoke about the deity wishing for more people to know about Kamakya and bringing more people there Yes So she exactly so there is nothing to be confused here so she for her reasons why she knows best Ma Kamakya may decide ki from now on I want more people to come here so there is a certain level so what it what sh- the deity can do magamakya can do for example um, i'm saying can do obviously i don't know she hasn't come and told me but i'm assuming looking at the way things developed over the last 10 15 years and i've been going there for a long time i i can see the influx of crowds so she may decide that okay she will spread her influence in a curtailed manner if she is capable of this much influence this much she will spread but to a lot of people mm. and that will benefit a lot of people usse zyada chahiye bhi nahi logo ko slightly smaller magnitude yes. but at scale 
that are there temples where you're not supposed to go <laughs> no it's not like that again it's all individualistic okay i remember uh, uh, a guru who had a disciple a fantastic guru one of the most siddha gurus generally so he had told his disciple that uh, he had drawn a geographical area said so outside of this if you visit any temple immediately negative things will start in your life he tried one day in a very simple vaishnava temple only not even some kamakh and all that there is an occult association no simple vaishnava temple immediately that day he had such a huge rakas at home and all uske after that he never steps out why i don't know don't ask me why i have no idea but that kuruji was very powerful i know he was extremely advanced and rare human being he had guided me in some other things also so that's why i know that is he's not my guru but what he guided me was more than most what i have three gurus perhaps more than what my gurus have taught me it was his kindness this is like thought patterns as well as techniques that's what i'm assuming you basically get from your gurus thought patterns as well as techniques uh techniques yes thought patterns i don't know what you mean by thought patterns the way to look at a particular circumstance yes yes many things i remember when uh, once i was stuck with at one stage of sadhana i needed some clarity on the next stage uh, i did not know what to do so i thought i again I, there's a there's a group of seniors uh, people uh, certain advanced people uh, whom i uh, rever and whom i i consult if i am confused about something so i asked one of them and he said that Uh, do one thing. Do an anushthan of a devata. Anushthan is something we spoke about in the last podcast, specifically anushthan. So I did an anushthan of Bhairava. Okay, it took me about one and a half months with full mantra japa. Then there was homa. Then there was there a process called tarpan. Tarpan is you uh, satisfy the deity with water. Okay, specific, uh, not just normal water. You take water that has been mixed with um, say chandan and other purified and smells good. Something like that. Tarpana, margin, and all the things were done. After I did that, within a month's time, I came into contact with the most powerful person I've ever. interacted in my life whom i never got to see by the way because he was not interested in showing himself and he ensured before his death that he burned all his photos so that even by mistake i don't keep his photo at home but how did he communicate ah there was a chain of people intermediaries between uh, me and that individual and i used to if i had a question actually it started this way that he um uh, in my initial impression was that this some astrologer guy like that somebody uh, i had a friend uh, that friend uh, just out of curiosity had sent some horoscope to him okay uh, his horoscope and he gave some few general statements and all that i remember that friend one day called me he messaged me that you know whenever you are free give me a call so i was in my sadhana and finished and all that i said ha kya hua so he said that uh, you know there's this guy um he's apparently an astrologer uh, local small village astrologer and all that um <laughs> he uh, he gave certain readings i wanted to listen to those readings i said okay tell me so he's telling the readings uh, first second third point by that third point he comes i my mind is like oh this is not astrology i have full i have sufficient amount of astrology kal knowledge and i've met enough astrologers and i've seen enough and i know that what is the level of depth to which you can go in astrology ye cheez astrology se possible nahi hai 
he is using something else okay i said the impossible and then i became curious i said that i'll send my horoscope if he's ready to read it i want to see what he has to say and then he sent me a reading and i was blown out of my mind how the hell is he saying this he is telling me so many days ago you were sitting in your puja room and this thought crossed your mind you did not act on it why did you not act on it if you had acted x y z would have happened now this that he is telling me dates and all that that you are in this temple at that place this is the environment this is the tithi this is the sadhana you were doing this is the result you saw in front of me and nobody in the world knows about it i did not speak because it was a terrific experience i spoke to nobody about it ever kept it silent and i am like stunned it's as if he is sitting there and he saw it okay and i remember i told my friend that ye jyotish ke bahar hai ye no astrologer in the world will be able to do this i know enough astrologers very good famous and all that and i know ki kiska kitna aukat aur kitna capability hai but this is not astrology something else then i figured out that he is a siddha it is the deity who is telling him mm. astrology is his is like the cover he puts up that i'm just an astrologer mm. for most people okay and it's a very peculiar life he taught me so many things about sadhana after that to he was like i used to send a question and he used to send me guidance and isko aise karna hai waise karna 10 15 years i've been going to kamakhya i've had many wonderful experiences then one day he sends me a message that uh, i'm sending a specific sadhana go and do in kamakhya fir dekho kya hota hai the result was so powerful for a year the even thinking about it would make the you know the hair on my it was amazing out of the blue why how did he get it it's not he who is telling it it's his ishta devata who is telling him that isko bolo ki ye kare jaake wahan pe the moment you said that you knew someone who was very evolved my first question was going to be you think he do a podcast and <laughs> then i realized no no he was a person of very fiery temper very fiery temper why why do you say he had a peculiar life uh because i know his life he told me he was kind enough because knowing his life he told me for the simple reason that by knowing his life i got to understand many things about sadhana okay i understood more about sadhana by reading about his life which he had written and sent to me than reading 1000 books and various other things can you truly learn sadhana just by reading books no someone okay. has to teach you yeah you will have to and this is the guarantee of nature if whatever you have learned from the books the basics whatever it is say you are doing hanuman chalisa or simple uh, simple devi mantra okay if you are sincerely doing it and you are doing it for sufficient amount of time and there is a shift inside that has happened there will be people who will come and guide you whether they officially call themselves as guru or not wo to secondary hai but they will come and guide you you have to be open to it you have to open to it but you have to be sincere in your own practice let's break this down a little bit because you said that this is one of the most common questions you get asked yes and this is not a very exciting question or an exciting answer i'm sure but it's a very important question yes. and answer yes how does one find a guru uh-huh. so it's difficult and also easy mm. difficult because the question has an assumption 
when people say that how do i find a guru they are assuming that they will have a top grade guru who will guide them why do we have this assumption because we read a lot of spiritual literature people who are interested so you have read autobiography of yogi or some other text and there is mahavatar bhavaji and in your mind you are fantasizing ki mahavatar bhavaji aayega himalay se mere ko diksha deke chala jayega so people everybody has that by the way okay some subconscious desire that some fancy exceptional guru will come uh there is also the reason why this is happening because culturally we are told to revere the gurus which is correct in my opinion okay but uh, i also feel and i have myself passed through wrong gurus also uh, people who projected that they have certain knowledge or certain things and then i realized that it was all more or less um, stories okay and i left them so shastras mention so first of all before you go into a guru let's just break it down into a simple format something that can be easy to follow for an individual first of all you start some practice don't wait for a guru to come okay a guru is absolutely necessary if you are into two types of practices one is if you actually want to do proper tantra sadhana formal then you will need a guru for the initiation purposes that is necessary okay proper tantra sadhana you will need a guru to initiate you okay uh, if you want that where are such gurus there are many gurus like that uh, they are and if you have to do very complicated yogic practices what i mean by yoga is not the uh, standard definition that you see in tv and all that no weight loss yoga and all that wo to apna jo karna hai karo but i am saying yoga that will uh, manipulate your breathing to the uh, to the various asanas and various pranayamas and all those things in order to have a spiritual experience there a guru is mandatory because if you make some mistakes it will have a repercussion on the body okay that is why so i feel that in today's age the best alternative for people is to do devada upasana simple devada upasana nothing complicated and shastras give you that opportunity they tell you various stotras or shastra namas 1000 names of a deity shiva shastra nama such a beautiful thing to do i have recommended that to so many people on mondays you do it and pour water on shivalinga uh, narmadeshwar shivalinga baneshwar they call it if you do it for few months things like depression all that will start reducing you know um I want to talk about like modern day Hindus who look down upon rituals like this because as kids we were just told to do these things without an explanation mm. and now as we are turning 30 <laughs> uh the explanation is available on YouTube uh there are meanings behind the rituals yes if you just blindly do those rituals of course mm. there won't be any kind of mm. uh an an impact no even then there will be an impact. oh really let's put it this way to give you an example when you are in school when when a child goes to school for the first time so teacher is teaching him how to uh, these are the numbers mm. how to add ask him that what is the use of this there's no idea he's a child he is doing it because his teachers are telling him he grows up then he goes to the local grocer to buy something his mother is sending something then he understands okay the reason why i know need to know the numbers and addition is because i need to calculate and all that that's one example i'm giving you okay so initial stages if you ex- and not just in spirituality in anything else if you expect that you will have the complete understanding and then only i will start you will never be able to start mm. your journey is over start with some degree of faith on the deity and certain mantras you will not understand everything but as you change yourself through the sadhana understanding will also come to you mm okay and the rituals are very beautifully designed it's like it's an art whoever created the rituals the pattern of the rituals as you go deeper you will understand through the it's it's a joy 
Rituals are a joy. Okay, rituals are not to be looked down upon. On the contrary, rituals make it far more vibrant, the practice. Beautiful it becomes. You will absolutely enjoy it. Now, coming to the what we were discussing about the guru point. So, I feel that for other things, you start your own sadhana. Number one. Number two, you decide ki what is the path suitable for you. Okay. Mm. And accordingly, find a guru of that path. So, if you are into some kind of yogic practice, good. Go to the yogic practice. If you think that, no, I want a Vaishnava Diksha. You like Vishnu or forms of Vishnu or Krishna. So, go to uh, places where Vaishnavas are more prominent. Say, go to Vrindavan or go to some other big Vaishnava temple. Speak to people there. Say that I want an initiation. I want to practice this. Whom should I approach? Okay. So one of the problems I find when people ask that how do I get a guru? So all they do is sitting in front of the computer and they're assuming that guru computer se ajayega bahar nikal gaye. So get out, meet people, take your time, not one, two days. Take a year's time. Roam around, meet people. First determine ki which is the path I want. One of the major problems people have this, as I mentioned, they have this fantastic idea that out of the blue they're walking on the street, suddenly somebody will manifest and kuch Himalaya se kuch aane wala hai. Kuch nahi aane wala hai. Koi nahi aane wala hai. Because you are not that good. Let's put it this way. Nature has degrees. The concept of adhikara is very prominent in nature. Nature is not a democracy. If you go into stand on a mountain, okay, today, and you shout that, why am I alive? Where is God? Nature doesn't care about you. Nature cares depending on what is your level of adhikara. Adhikara means your rights. Rights are subjective to your capacity and competency. And past karma. All those are figured <laughs> in the capacity competency. Your capacity competency rises to a certain level. You don't have to go anywhere else. And if you are not capable not competent, you can go to pillar post everywhere. Yes. Himalaya to the ocean. Yes. No answers will come. But if you still are desperate and you can't read nature, so if an answer is not coming, if you're searching for a guru and is not appearing, perhaps nature is saying that it's not the time to go to a guru. So what do you do? Make the best of the current situation. Sit at home and do sadhana. Okay. But if you are still desperate, then you may end up with a wrong guru or a wrong individual or somebody who is not competent enough. There are good gurus and there are false gurus also. Both of them are there. That's the reality. We cannot deny that. I've seen both. So that's why I know. So first thing is that focus on your own sadhana. Build a base of sadhana. Something that you can do even without a guru. And then pray to the devata that and this is the beauty of it. If your sadhana is going well, and it may take time. It's not, don't expect anything to happen in three months, four months. Spend few years. In fact, I, I, I tell people this, something that I learned from that Siddha Purusha that I was talking about. Until you have actually consistently worshipped a deity for three to four years, anything else that happens very fast is not going to last. Minimum three to four years of worship is required. On a regular basis, properly. Un until the techniques actually come into no, your life. No, until the bonding is formed with the Devata properly. Wow. Three okay. to four years. And that worship could be as simple as talking to the deity, thinking that it's your friend and doing a mantra jab. Ha, simple. Simple mantra jab. Say wow. somebody does Om Bhairavaya Nama. That's a simple mantra anybody can do. Om Bhairavaya Nama. Ha, that's a Nama mantra of Bhairavava. Okay, you do few malas or something. Say, and... You do that consistently for three years. Your test is, don't expect experiences. Your test is that, can you do it every day for three years? 
how many times up to you that you determine i am not even telling how many times okay whether you do one mala which means that 108 times 5 minutes ka puja karo 10 minutes half an hour whatever you do but fix a thing and do it consistently and obviously uh, if you have to if you are serious about spiritual growth then it should be a little substantial like if you do just 1 minute or 2 minutes of it then it will take you perhaps a thousand years god knows i'm just saying so you have to do it uh, 25 minutes to 30 minutes at least in your 24 hour schedule at least 25 to 30 minutes should be there now whether you have concentration whether you like it or not leave all that aside just do it first test is are you able to do it in a disciplined manner for few years mm 3 to 4 years that yeah. creates your bond okay first step 12 years you do you are set for life <laughs> What does that mean? That means that 12 years is like a cut-off period. What happens after that? After that, so then the deity will take over. If your sadhana is correct, correct means what I say is that follow the shastras, more or less broad guidelines at the initial stages. What the don't experiment outside of what is there in the shastras because that is the accumulated wisdom of thousands of years of people with far greater caliber than you and me. can a very evolved person hmm. a siddha purush hmm. an agori who's been practicing for years hmm. become evil at a very high spiritual level evil mm evil in what sense a very low level example of this would be you know these uh, gurujis who then become powerful they initially start spiritually they grow they do good in the world and then at some point lust takes over yeah. they... that's possible that's possible but uh, more or less uh, that happens when there is deep down the spiritual desire is not there like it's not about connecting with god yeah, it's not about, about connecting with the deity or anything but it's about more acquiring power or finding some quick techniques or something like that and um, the the methods of mantra shastra is so powerful that if you follow those rules and correctly do certain sadhanas you might acquire certain abilities but that does not um, mean that they are necessarily spiritual or dharmic or something that is uh, that will take you to the right direction in which uh, humanity should go ideally so you can then misuse but the law of karma is ruthless it will uh, catch up with you you will fall okay. eventually in fact not just today what do we see in the evidence of the shastras there are asuras who have ruled for thousands of years how did they rule they did those practices they acquired a lot of power they defeated the ordinary realm of gods defeated asuras defeated everybody they kept ruling for thousands of years until one of the the shiva or vishnu or devi somebody or the other finally decides to put an end to their reign and there's a huge fight and then they defeat them so if they have ruled for thousands of years smaller version of that will always be there in this age okay um i think we've almost reached the end of this episode <laughs> what i will say is that um when i was a kid i had a very limited understanding of how the world works and i was always in my own creativity mm. drawing things mm. making up stories in my head and i just get to express that as a youtuber now mm. creative job mm. but when i was a kid i had an overly active imagination mm. so when i would look at adults interacting with each other mm. or if i would be out with my family and then look at another group mm. of adults i'd always think that i feel like what if these guys are actually hidden superheroes what if it's peter parker talking to <laughs> Bruce Wayne talking mm-hmm. to someone else, and then by, at night they become superheroes. 
it was just a weird thing my imagination drew out hmm. but as i kept that thought marinating in my head i realized that there is some version of adulthood that's hidden from children hmm. one aspect of that is sexuality hmm. which Correct. i didn't know even hmm. existed that hmm. time hmm. but i knew there's something related to superpowers and hmm. i didn't know what it was i just inherently intuitively knew that these some people around me have these superpowers hmm. which they're hiding hmm. and i was always looking for those answers hmm. as i grew older hmm. and then the podcast has taught me that there are people like rajarshi nandi <laughs> <laughs> no, i have no superpowers i'm just an ordinary person that's it but yeah there are people with all kinds of things abilities and it's a very fascinating world in cities in the places that you're living in in the places that you're listening to this podcast and if you're driving through the city there's all sorts of things happening in the closed houses around you that's true yeah. that's one thing you've realized yes uh, it is there uh, uh, but yeah there is a level till which it will be there in the cities which is also can be very high but there is a level beyond this also which cannot be reached while living in cities a current cities because they're so overpopulated but yeah strange things happen in cities i i'll just mention one incident sure. i remember of since we started with devi but we went various places i think it's all devi <laughs> <laughs> in a way it is all her domain okay yeah. everything is her domain so coming to matara to bring it back to matara sure. that part uh, our the way we look at matara is that we worship ugratara Ugratara is a very fierce form of Matara, whereas the to my understanding the Buddha conception of Tara they have twenty one different Taras and various grades of Taras, very mild to more extreme forms of Tara, and Tara is ubiquitous almost in the Buddha realm in a way. Okay, so but the Hindu Tara is a Mahavidya. Okay, Mahavidya means a great knowledge. Uh, she has three primary forms. One is known as Eka Jata. Eka Jata means she has one Jata, one. Um, hair okay jata uh, i don't know what you call it in english braid braid one hair eka jata neela saraswati saraswati is blue and then there is ugratara ugratara is very fierce she is the fastest of all mahavidyas in my opinion but she also comes with a lot of tandav okay she is very fast in helping and all i can she has helped many times uh, but um, when she makes her appearance she is going to cause rearrange things in certain ways and she is going to uh, one experience i know one very good upasaka basically you have to have certain steadiness to worship her properly worship her one thing is that again if you have devotion general devotion to her no problem everybody in the world can have general devotion you can go to the tarapit temple and other temples of matara no problem at all okay but if you say that no i want to attain a closeness with her then you should have the fitness to do that okay uh one upasaka at night was doing tara mantra very fierce tara mantra ugra tara mantra at home okay deep at night and there was a sankalpa sankalpa means you can't get up until you finish the certain count of japa you are doing that i think he lived in the fourth or fifth floor or something like that uh, middle of the night and is doing the japa and suddenly on the window there's bang tak 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 and there's nobody who can climb up there it's impossible but you can't get up because you're in the sankalpa that is how you test your nerves she comes with a force her bhairava is akshobhya akshobhya is one who's unshakable so you have to imbibe that tatva of her 
to be unshakable. Once you do that, then it is beautiful. She is super fast. She is beautiful. But she comes, it's like you, you if you invite a tiger in the home, even if the tiger scratches you a little bit, you can get a little hurt, right? So you have to understand that and you have to, if you are okay with it, wonderful. She is the deity who helps maximum in cremation grounds. If somebody can connect to her, maximum help comes from her. She's very fast. She's like that light that comes. In a cremation ground, is a very dark place. If you go to remote cremation grounds, it's a completely dark space. There's nothing there. Uh, they did, uh, talking about remote ones specifically. The only light in the cremation ground is from the pyre that is burning. That light is psychologically like Mahatara. In a very complete darkness, she is the light. Tara is like the, the, the sky is where everything is dark. When you are navigating, somebody is navigating, you look at the stars and you get direction. She is the one who gives you the direction from there. But she has Ugra Tara. She, there's a fierceness in her, inherent in her. And those who love that fierceness, they love the fierce form of the mother. Eventually, you have to learn how, proper Shakta, I believe, is somebody who has to learn to love the mother in her extreme fierceness and also an extreme beauty and somya form. Ugrati Ugra Somyati Somya. The most fierce of the fierce. The same deity can suddenly turn the softest of the soft. There is Lalita Chipur the most beautiful form of the mother. Most beautiful. Enchanting. She is Kameshwari, this repository of all desires. She creates desires in human beings. In everything. Without desire, the world is going to stop. Nothing is going to. Every desire is in her domain. Okay. And then there is Kali, absolute raw force. When Mahakali's force, somebody experiences, it's, it's like there is no compromise in there. It is, it is, I don't know how to describe it. It's like the one thing that is there. There is a degree of madness needed in the Upasaka to be able to close, be close to her. There's no compromise. She's full. Uh, She's the most, in a way it is beautiful. Beauty is subjective, so you can look at it anyway. Then there is Chinnamasta, one of the Mahavidyas. She is to be invoked in cases where there are things that are very extreme. Absolutely, absolute negativity is there. Worst kind of negativity that you can imagine. Then her sadhanas and then her mantras, her prayogas come into play. And they have a very strong impact. Then there is Mahabhaglavamukhi who can stop everything. At a higher level even stop. This may sound very weird to the more skeptical minded people. But uh, the Shastras will tell you. Worship of her can give you the ability to stop natural things. Stop the wind. Stop a rain. Stop a cloud. Stambana. Stop negative entities. Stop positive entities. You can stop everything. It's It's... Shakti Upasana is beautiful. Endless. I felt like this wasn't you talking all these things. <laughs> why, why did you say all these things? I don't know. Just an inspiration came. Okay. Then I followed it. Yeah. I think it's a good point to end this podcast. Yeah. Even though I have more questions. Maybe in the next episode. Thank you again, Rajashi, sir. Thank you. And Joy Ma. Joy Ma. Uh, I'm a little speechless. But lots more questions coming up soon. Thank you. This was just part one. I highly recommend you check out part two if you're listening to this podcast more than a month after it's released. 
and if part 2 hasn't released yet we have an entire series that we've done with rajeshi nandi we have hindi episodes as well please check out those i think we've done about 10 episodes with this legend and every episode has different content he's one of the most elaborately well educated human beings that we've had on the show when it comes to his own subject matter so if it's anything related to tantra or spirituality he's your person please consume more of rajeshi nandi if you enjoyed this particular episode trs will be back very soon